It is about 10.45, so we will go ahead and get started. If you are here in the parking lot, thank you so much for coming this morning. I appreciate you coming out to worship the Lord together with us. We are still under some restrictions, so we're trying our best to be creative and meet in any way that we can and still honor the restrictions that our governing authorities have placed on us. But thank you for coming out this morning, and I encourage you to worship from your vehicle this morning. Maybe you're tuning in on YouTube or Facebook. Please worship with us this morning, wherever you are, however you are participating. Um, we have had a couple of folks ask about giving an offering. Um, we will not have a specific time of taking up an offering during this service, but if you did come prepared to give, as some of you did and asked about, uh, you can track down one of the guys in the bright yellow-orange vests. Those are some of our deacons, and turn in your tithe to them. Otherwise, um, please continue to give in the, in the methods we've kind of established. You can either come by the church office and leave it there in the, the box in the lobby. You can mail in your offering. Just uh, mail it to the church. You can use the online giving option. You go to our website, click in the top right-hand corner where it says Give Online. You can give that way, or you can use your banking institution. Most of them have some kind of uh, automatic uh, bill pay type option where they'll cut a check and send it for you. Um, I just want to say thank you so much to everybody who has been faithful in giving. Thank you for being faithful to trust that the Lord is good, and even in difficult times, the Lord will provide. And um, we have experienced uh, no drop-off whatsoever, and ministry has been able to continue because of your faithfulness. So thank you so much for your faithfulness to give. I would encourage, as, as we continue in this season, in this difficulty, to be faithful to give, but also, as we've said every week, give wisely. Be wise in your stewardship of your funds and in what God has blessed you with. Be a wise steward of the resources, the time, the talent that God has given you. So let's begin this morning, and uh, let's begin with uh, the Word of the Lord in itself. So if you have your Bible with you, this morning is going to look a little bit different. We're going to break up our worship time, and we're going to break up the sermon into three different segments. And so I hope that you'll enjoy this little bit of a, of a change of pace. But this morning, I, I did ask in the call-out not to wear your pajamas. And the reason I asked for you not to wear your pajamas is because I would like for us to attempt to stand out of reverence to the public reading of God's Holy Word. So if you are able and you do not mind, please take your Bible or you can pull up the lyric sheet that we emailed out. The Scripture is attached in there. But I would encourage you to get your copy of Scripture by whatever means necessary. Step out of your vehicle and stand right beside your car, okay? We're going to maintain our, our six feet of distance, but just stand right outside your vehicle. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 1. So it's the, the second book of the Bible, Genesis and then Exodus. But if you are physically able and where you can pop out and stand up, we will stand together just out of the reverence of reading God's Word. This is what they did in the book of Ezra. Ezra read the law and the people stood, only they stood all day. They stood all day listening to the Word of the Lord being read. And so this morning we'll just read one chapter. Exodus chapter 1. The word of the Lord tells us, These are the names of the sons of Israel who came to Egypt with Jacob, each with his household, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, and Benjamin, Dan, and Naphtali, Gad, and Asher, 
all the descendants of Jacob were 70 persons. Joseph was already in Egypt. Then Joseph died, and all his brothers, and all that generation. But the people of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly. They multiplied and grew exceedingly strong, so that the land was filled with them. Now there arose a new king over Egypt, who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, Behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with heavy burdens. They built for Pharaoh's store cities, Pithom and Ramses. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied. And the more they spread abroad, and the Egyptians were in dread of the people of Israel. So they ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves, and made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick and in all kinds of work in the field. In all their work they ruthlessly made them work as slaves. Then the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shifra, and the other was named Puah, when you serve as midwife to the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it is a son, you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but let the male children live. So the king of Egypt called the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this? And let the male children live. The midwife said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife comes to them. So God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and grew very strong. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, Every son that is born to the Hebrews you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As you're making your way back into your vehicles, we will pray together, and then Jason will lead us in singing and worshiping our Lord. Would you bow with me? God in heaven, we thank you for the opportunity to come together and to worship you. Lord, even though this is very abnormal, even though this is not what a regular Sunday would look like for us. Father, thank You that Your people still desire to gather and sing Your praises. That Your people still desire to gather and lift high the name of Jesus. For there is no other name on heaven, in earth, or under the earth by which any human can be saved. Thank You, Lord, that You have provided a way and Lord, as we gather together this morning, we do seek to crown You, Lord Jesus, as our Lord, as our Savior, as our Messiah. We seek to worship You in spirit and in truth. Father, would You move in power through the, the singing of Your Word, through the singing of hymns and choruses and songs that declare Your goodness. Father, would You also move from the reading, from the teaching, from the proclamation of Your Word. God, that this morning You may be blessed by the worship that is offered from this campus today. Lord, but also that You might move to comfort us, to heal us, to bring us security and strength, 
to convict us and to challenge us to love you and serve you and follow you with all that we have and with all that we are. God, we ask that you would move right now, Father. That all the distractions, Lord, the sound of cars passing by, kids maybe yelling and screaming and going crazy in the car, or maybe at home, or whatever the situation may be. Father, we pray that you would draw us into your presence to worship you in spirit and in truth. We love you, Father. We need to feel your presence this morning. We ask that you would move among us. We ask these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to you, our Father in heaven. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Let's worship. Amen. I hope you found your way to your uh, lyric sheet, to your uh, worship order that we emailed out to you. And we're going to start out by singing Crown Him with Many Crowns. So sing along with us. Together that first verse, crown him with many crowns. Crown him with many crowns, a lamb upon his throne. Hark now the heavenly anthem, crowns of music, but it's all. Awake my soul and sing of him who died for me. sing a song called His Mercy is More. Continue that theme that uh, all of who we are is because of Jesus' grace and mercy, the Lord's grace and mercy on us. And even though we mess up through life, we sin, uh, His grace and mercy is far greater than our sin. 
that it's creeping up on me so I guess I'm going to lose that battle but that's okay uh, once again come thou fount of every blessing use this song right now even as a prayer as we sing together uh, what uh, rich words 
talking about how we uh, we are uh, seem to be just a continually wandering people, but how as we've been singing all morning, how rich and beautiful and mighty His love is, His mercy is, His grace is, and He is a God that uh, is always uh, ready with open arms to receive His child uh, back into His arms. So thank God for that today and remember these things and even pray uh, as you sing uh, this to the Lord this morning. Let's sing together. Come thou found. Come thou found of every blessing to my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing. Call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious song, sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mountain fixed upon it, mount of thy redeeming love. Here I raise my enemies. Here I raise my enemies. Thither by thy help I come, and I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God, me to rescue me from danger, interpose his precious blood. If you have your Bible still with you, let's look again at Exodus chapter 1. If you'll remember from last week, we spoke a lot about the beginning of the story of Scripture and what brought us to this point and how pivotal the story of Joseph is to what happens in all of Exodus. The need for an Exodus is predicated, it begins, it's kicked off by the fact that Joseph brings his family to Egypt. But it's such a wonderful thing when that happens. That saves all of the world. All the world comes to Joseph in the land of Egypt 
so that they might have grain. And so we're told in the very beginning passage of Exodus, in those, those first seven or eight verses, that Joseph was there, his family was there, the whole family was around 70 people, and then Joseph and all of his brothers died. So we read there in verse 8, there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. Who did not know Joseph. He says to his people, Behold, the people of Israel are just too many. They're just too mighty for us. They, they forget completely that the only reason that they're alive, the only reason that they have survived this famine is because the people of Israel are there. And now they look at the people of Israel and forgetting what God did through this family, forgetting what God did through these people, Pharaoh begins to look on them with enmity, with strife. He begins to look on them as his enemy, as a threat. He sees them as different as other. They're too many. They're too mighty. So he begins to deal shrewdly with them, as it says there in verse 10. He doesn't want them to multiply, but all along, the, the Israelites have been multiplying. Even amidst this oppression and this slavery, God has been blessing the people of Israel and they have been fruitful and have multiplied. You have to remember, back in these days, having children, there was no burden associated with having children whatsoever. People today think through, do I have enough money to have children? Do I have enough of a financial stability, economic stability, to have children or to have another child? But in that day, the question was not, do I have enough financial stability to have children? The question rather was, do I need more financial stability? If so, I should probably have more children. Children were, by every account, a blessing. And so, even amidst the suffering, even amidst the oppression, 400 years worth of oppression, in the midst of that terrible situation, God is still blessing the people of Israel with children. He's multiplying and growing their numbers. Even amidst 400 years of suffering as slaves in Egypt, throughout this timeline, God is still honoring the promise we talked about last week that He made to Abraham. What's essential is that we not forget the promises that God has made and how He is fulfilling them. Because the Israelites begin to forget that God made a specific promise to Abraham. They begin to forget that He's blessing them with children in the midst of this adversity. And Pharaoh begins to forget that God is the one who brought Israel to His land to start with. God is the one who gave Him interpretation, His ancestors, to the dreams to know and preserve their country from famine. What happens to us, folks, is we have a very short memory. And when we forget what God has done, it leads us into failing God. Forgetting God leads to failing God. Our forgetfulness leads to us failing the Lord. And this is a pattern that is not just true with the Egyptians. It's not just true with the Israelites that are there in Egypt at that time. This is true all throughout Scripture and in our lives. We can look at these passages and see a mirror reflection of ourselves. But look with me at some of those other passages that are there in, in the email that we sent out. Judges chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. Now, Judges chapter 2 is several generations down the road. Moses has already been raised up 
Moses has led the people by God's hand out of Egypt and we have gone through a period with Joshua conquering the land and we come to this generation, this book of Judges and we're told in verse 8 of chapter 2, Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110 years. They buried him within the boundaries of his inheritance in the hill country of Ephraim, north of the mountain of Gaash, and all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. Don't overlook that that was a mighty and awesome generation. They had faithless parents. They had a whole generation ahead of them that would not be permitted into the promised land because of their faithlessness in God. Yet this generation arose. They believed God at His Word and they took the promised land by God's power. And all of that generation dies off. And then pick back up with me there in verse 10. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that He had done for Israel. This is the same phrasing that is used of Pharaoh in Exodus chapter 1. They did not know. They did not call to their mind. They did not bring to remembrance who God was. And they forgot Him completely. And it leads to utter chaos in the book of Judges. If ever you're in a situation where you think that the world today is as bad as it could ever possibly be, crack open your Bible, go to the book of Judges, and look at the chaos that ensues. The people of Israel sacrifice children to appease the Lord. They sacrifice children to false gods. They cut people up and mail their body parts to all the various tribes throughout all of Israel. It is deplorable. Various times in the book of Judges we're told that there was no king. That everybody just did what they thought was right in their own eyes. Folks, don't think that we live in a time that is completely unprecedented. Don't think that we live in a time where this pandemic has never been seen before, that there's never been anything in history to happen like this before. Let us not forget that pestilence and plague has happened before. People have forgotten God before. Problems have arisen. Strife and trials and tribulations have arisen just as severe as what we are going through now and more severe before. Let us not forget that God was faithful during all of those times and trust that He will be faithful during these times. The chaos that erupts in Judges is because they forget God. Look at 2 Kings. It's not just that chaos erupts in Judges. It continues. Look with me in 2 Kings chapter 23. We're going to read verse 2 and then we're going to jump down to verse 21. 2 Kings chapter 23 verse 2 says, And the king went up to the house of the Lord. This was Josiah. He was the king and he went up to the house of the Lord and with him all the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and the priests and the prophets, all the people, both small and great. And he read in the hearing all the words of the book of the covenant that had been found in the house of the Lord. So there was a book of the covenant. This was probably a copy of the book of Deuteronomy. And for so long they had forgotten who God was. They didn't even remember what the book of Deuteronomy said. But this book was found by King Josiah. And when it says that it was found, it's not just that he stumbled across it. He stumbled across it and did something with it. But he finds this book. And then jump down to verse 21 with me. And the king, Josiah, commanded all the people, Keep the Passover to the Lord, 
as it is written in this book of the covenant. Look at verse 22. For no such Passover had been kept since the days of the judges who judged Israel or during all the days of the kings of Israel or of the kings of Judah. But in the eighth year of King Josiah, this Passover was kept to the Lord in Jerusalem. Folks, it's easy to forget the Lord when you forget the primary means by which you're supposed to remember Him. We're going to see as we continue through the book of Exodus, you're going to see once again in the book of Deuteronomy, the Passover was the quintessential ceremony. If you did nothing else the rest of the year, keep the Passover and remember that God brought us up out of Egypt. Remember the Passover. That meal was to commemorate all the plagues. That meal was to commemorate how God delivered them. That meal pointed them to the coming Messiah. But from the time of the judges all the way to King Josiah, who's just a few kings removed from their exile to Babylon, all that time they did not keep the Passover at all. Folks, this is how you forget God. This is how you enter into a path of just doing whatever you think's right in your own eyes. This is how you begin down the road of forgetting all the benefits of what God has done for us. And even in the midst of this trial and strife, we cut out our rituals that remind us of who God is. We stop meeting together weekly on Sundays. We stop observing communion together. We stop baptizing new believers and gathering together and celebrating that God is still changing hearts and transforming lives. And that that is signified in being buried with Him and raised to walk in newness of life. We cut those things out and that begins the process of us forgetting who God is and what God has done. So I want us to remember as we continue through this text, we're going to sing for a little bit more, but... But we'll come back to this text. Forgetting God leads to failure. Forgetting leads to failure. Let us not be a people who stop meeting together. Let us not be a people who forget the Passover, so to speak. Let us not be a people who forget that even in the midst of pandemics, God is at work multiplying us, growing us, blessing us. Let us see how God is at work and remember His promises. Remember that He said in Matthew 28 that He would not leave us, that He would be with us even unto the ends of the earth, that He would leave us and not, He would not leave us and never forsake us, that He would be with us and stay beside us, that He would never part from us, not one time. Now folks, we're going to lift our voices one more time. Jason is going to sing for us. I'm going to pray. As I pray, I don't want you to feel any shame whatsoever if the sun has risen to a degree that you are now scorching and baking within your vehicle and you need to turn your vehicle on. There is no, no shame in sitting with the vehicle idling and running the air conditioner, okay? If the windows down is not sufficient, you can run your air conditioner. The people who are tuning in at home, they're sitting in the air conditioner. Nobody went outside in the backyard to watch this on Facebook. I, I guarantee it. Now somebody's going to call this week and say, Pastor, I watched from my backyard. It was real hot out there. Somebody's going to call and say it. I know. But feel free if you need to. You crank the car. You ain't got to. But just want you to know, be comfortable and let's sing and worship the Lord together. You'll find your way to your uh, sheet again, your email. We're going to sing never once 
God has never failed us, never left us, just as Nathan said. Together, standing on this mountaintop, standing on this mountaintop, looking just how far we've come, knowing that for every step you were with us, kneeling on this battleground, seeing just how much you've done, knowing every victory was your power. Stars and struggles on the way, but with joy our hearts can sing. Yes, our hearts can sing. Never once did we ever walk alone. Never once did you leave us on our own. You are Ground, seeing just how much you've done, knowing every victory is your power in us. Stars and struggles on the way, but with joy our hearts can say, yes, our hearts can God, 
Amen. Amen. Our God is faithful. We have to remember the faithfulness of our God. When Pharaoh forgets the faithfulness of the Lord, not only does he enslave the people of Israel, but it leads to unspeakable things, unspeakable atrocities that are committed against who we consider some of the most innocent and defenseless in all society. Look with me at chapter 1 once again. Look at verse 15. Exodus chapter 1 verse 15. Then the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shifra and the other was named Pua, When you serve as midwife to the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it is a son, you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, she shall live. Folks, we read this and this command, I don't know how it strikes you, but it's one of the most abhorrent things in my mind to think of killing a baby as it is being born. Sadly, this is something that has not gone away from our society. And, and there's a lot of, of abortion rights activists that would say that partial birth, birth abortions almost never happened. That, that's a, that's a, a percentage, 1% of all the abortions that happen. But folks, it still happens. There were bills that were introduced in 1993, 1995, and in 2007 to try and put an end to partial birth, birth abortion. That's really hard to say. I don't know, I don't know if y'all should, if y'all ever tried that before, y'all should try it. But there were bills that were put forth to try and say, look, if a baby is in the process of being born, it is too late to determine outside of the health of the mother that that baby's life needs to be ended. And those bills were struck down. There are still plenty of states where that type of abortion is illegal, Alabama being one of them, but there's a lot of states all across our nation where that's still legal, that's still acceptable. That the mother can decide right as she's going into labor, the mother can decide as she's giving birth that she no longer wants the baby. And the doctor then takes an instrument and ends the life of the baby as it is being born and then sets it aside. This is not something new. This is the attitude that Pharaoh had towards the Egyptians. Folks, abortion is a terrible terrible thing. And, and I know that there are extenuating circumstances. I know that there are, there are situations of rape. And I know that there are situations of the mother's health. I, I get all of those things. But what is often not talked about is that we are talking about whatever the decision, you're ending a human life. The disagreement between many people who are pro-life and many people who are pro-choice often comes down to arguing whether that is a life in that mother's womb. And, and as Christians, we believe that the Bible teaches us securely, repeatedly, that life begins at the moment of conception. But folks, in our society today, many people do not agree with that. The life is valid only when it is desired. And Pharaoh said, women, young ladies, baby girls are desired so they can be born. Baby boys are not desired so they should be killed as they're being born. He instructs the midwives to do this. Folks, we are so committed as a society, as a nation, to 
abortion in and of itself, that there have been countless lawsuits and injunctions arguing for how abortion is essential even now during this pandemic. There have been lawsuits saying that women have a right to abort and if we do not keep abortion clinics open, then we are depriving them of their rights and this is an essential service. Keep in mind now that non-essential dental procedures were cut off. If you had a toothache, you couldn't go to the dentist. Now, some of the dentist offices are opening back up in the coming days and weeks. Some have already opened back up. You couldn't get a haircut, but you could get an abortion. You couldn't get dental work done, your teeth cleaned. Only if you had a dental emergency could you schedule something, but you could find access to an abortion in this country in which we live. Folks, my Uncle Jim had his cancer surgery postponed due to the coronavirus. You can't have your cancer surgery, but we got to make sure that you can abort your unwanted babies. That's the society in which we live. And when we stand aside and do nothing, then we're complicit with it. When we stand aside and take no action, then we're forgetting what God has said and what happened to Pharaoh. We're forgetting that this is the same story. It's just a new chapter. That people want these rights. That people demand this entitlement of I can be as promiscuous as I want with no consequences whatsoever. Folks, look, look with me at, at Jeremiah 18. I don't think we emailed this one out. But Jeremiah 18 in Jeremiah 18, this prophecy is, is thrown out as an accusation against the people of Judah, against the people of, of the nation of Israel, of all of God's chosen people. Beginning in verse 13, Therefore thus says the Lord, Ask among the nations, Who has heard of this? The virgin Israel has done a very horrible thing. Does the snow of Lebanon leave the crags of Siren? Do the mountain waters run dry? The cold flowing streams? Verse 15. But my people have forgotten me. They make offerings to false gods. They made them stumble in their ways, in the ancient roads, and to walk into side roads, not the highway, making their land a horror, a thing to be hissed at forever. Everyone who passes by is horrified and shakes his head. Folks, I included in here some statistics about abortion. All the websites and things, you can click on those links and follow those out. These statistics are pulled from reliable websites. They've got the reasons that people give for why they give an abortion. There used to be a time where the fact that we were so prominent in the abortion industry as a nation, other nations did like what Jeremiah is talking about. And everybody that passed by, they shook their head. Why on earth is the United States so liberal on this? But now it's become a badge of honor that people wear proudly. That we give women these rights to choose. That we're willing to terminate babies even as they are being born. And I know that people will respond and say, yeah, but, but that's only like 1%. If you look at these statistics, in 2017, 862,000 abortions took place in the entire nation in the year of 2017. 
As you go back to 2014, 2011, 2008, there's an easy average out of almost a million abortions. That means that even if the partial birth abortions are only 1%, it's still thousands of babies across our nation. We've forgotten who God is and the sanctity of the life that He has created. We have forgotten to take a stand for the sake of life, whatever the cost, whatever that means. Folks, our time today looks scarily familiar to what we see thousands of years ago in Pharaoh who forgot the Lord. It led to his failure. It led to his demise. Let us be found faithful and not forgetful of who God is. Let us not commit these same atrocities. Let us not propagate this same lie that it's about us and our comfort. Let's not forget that our lives are about God and about serving Him and about being completely devoted to Him. Jason's going to lead us in a couple more songs and then we'll, we'll close out with one more passage. Listen, if you've turned your air on, I want you to remember that you can listen on the radio at 100.1. I know that I'm a very loud individual, but if it's easier, you can listen on the radio. And if you're tuning in at home, I hope you can hear well and I hope that you have been standing and singing with us each time. So folks, let's sing and praise the Lord together. And I, I really would ask if you will remember my Uncle Jim. He does have cancer surgery coming up. And I would ask that you pray for him. His surgery has been scheduled for tomorrow. It was supposed to be back in April. So just as a, as a point of personal preference, I, I get to ask because... I have the microphone, so if y'all will remember James Benefield, my Uncle Jim, and his cancer surgery tomorrow, let's pray, let's sing to the Lord together. Lord, we lift you up right now even before we sing these songs. It's who you say we are, God. We are no longer slaves. Uh, we are children of God. And we do pray for Uncle Jim, Lord. Would you bless him and his upcoming surgery, God? Would you just be in that situation and heal there, God? And uh, to you this morning goes all the praise for the answered prayers. Uh, these songs that we lift high to you, they're directed to you and to you alone. And uh, help us even right now, God, in, in uh, this drive-in service. Even though it's a little, a little weird, it's a little strange to do this, but that's okay. But help us to zone in and focus in on you this morning, God, as we sing these song, next few songs together. We're reminded of who you say we are, Lord. We're your children. We are redeemed. We are not forsaken. We are chosen. It's who you say that we are. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's sing that together. Who am I that the highest king? Who am I that the highest king? would welcome me. I was lost, but he brought me in. Oh, his love for me. Oh, his love for me. Who the sun sets free. Oh, is free in me. I'm a child of God. 
sing one more. We are no longer slaves. Let's sing together. You unravel me. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song. Of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. From my mother's womb, from my mother's womb, you have chosen me. Love has called my name. I've been born again. Your family, your blood flows through my veins. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. bridge together. You split the sea. You split the sea so I could walk right through it. My fears were drowned in perfect love. You rescued me so I could stand and see. I am a child of God. Just sing it out. You split the sea. The sea, so I could walk right through it. My fears were drowned in perfect love. You rescued me so I could stand and sing. I am a child of God. I am a child of God. Oh, I am a child of God.
sing that chorus together. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Let's pray together once more. Father, we thank you that every child is precious to you from the womb. Lord, we also know that as You are charging us and challenging us from Your Scripture this morning not to forget You and not to forget Your love and Your faithfulness. God, You are such a wonderful and incredible God, such a merciful Lord, that all of our sins You're willing to forget and forgive. To cast them away from us as far as the East is from the West. Whatever the sin no matter what we've done, no matter where we've been, Lord, You are the One who graciously forces Yourself to forget our iniquities. Lord, but You've called us to remember. To remember and to be different. To remember and to live for You. Lord, to not forget so that we might not fail. To follow hard after You. To love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And to love You with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. God, thank You that we are no longer slaves to fear. We are no longer slaves in Egypt, Lord. We are free. It is for freedom that You have set us free. Thank You, Lord. As we continue to look at Your Word, God, please continue to speak in power to all of us together this morning. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll look with me once again in Exodus chapter 1, we're going to pick up in verse 17 to look again at the rest of this story. Even though Pharaoh commanded for there to be partial birth abortions, even though this was Pharaoh's word and instruction, there were two very brave midwives who led all the other midwives and they did not follow this evil and tragic command. It tells us in verse 17, But the midwives feared God. They feared God and not Pharaoh. They feared God more than Pharaoh. They respected God more than they respected Pharaoh. Because of that, they did not do as the king of Egypt had commanded them, but they let the male children live. So, the king of Egypt called the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this? Why have you let the male children live? So the midwives said to Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, they're vigorous, and they give birth before the midwife even comes to them. So God dealt well with the midwives, and the people, again, were told, multiplied and grew very strong. And because the midwives feared God, He gave them families. But Pharaoh, not to be denied, his fear over the Egyptian slaves invokes more harsh treatment upon them and commands his soldiers that every son that is born to the Hebrews you shall cast 
into the Nile, but every daughter you shall let live. If the midwives are not going to be able to get there on time, I'll just go and seize these male children and have them cast into the Nile on my own command. This is a point where we should remember what happens during the time of Jesus' birth, what King Herod commands. We'll look at that and talk about that a little bit more next week. But keep in mind that this is the same kind of command that King Herod issues. This is another element where we are shown how Jesus is the greater prophet even than Moses. But for this morning's sake, let's look specifically at these midwives. We have a difficult passage here, an inconsistency almost, if you read it that way. It's kind of challenging that God is so gracious and blesses these midwives even though they are deceptive to Pharaoh. Even though they lie to Pharaoh as it would read just as you read through the text. We're told very plainly that they did not do as He commanded. That means they did not follow His orders. And then in verse 18, Pharaoh questions them about this. And instead of speaking up and saying, we fear God, the one true living God known as Yahweh, we fear Him far more than we fear you, Pharaoh. And you may take our lives, but we will not disobey the word of the Lord. When they had an opportunity to stand up and speak much like Peter and John spoke and said, is it better for us to obey you to the Sanhedrin or for us to obey God? Instead, they chose to be somewhat deceptive. Now, it is plausible that that is a true statement that the Hebrew women were giving birth. Maybe they were just taking their time getting to the Hebrew women so that by the time they arrived, they had already given birth and they didn't have to follow Pharaoh's commands. But it's more likely, it's probable that they disobeyed Pharaoh and then lied to him about it. And then we read where God blesses these midwives. And if you're, if you're looking closely, it can seem like the Lord blesses them even though they lie. The Lord blesses them maybe even because they lie, but that's not the case. That's a misreading of the text. That's not true. What we're told very specifically in verse 21 is because the midwives feared God, because they feared God, God gave them families. God blessed them because they feared Him. They were imperfect, just like every single one of us is imperfect. But I want you to know you can't look at this passage and think that the end will always justify the means to God. Because they were deceptive, the mission, the end of preserving the baby's lives was still accomplished by the midwives, even though they lied. So it doesn't matter to God how we do bring about a good and godly result. It only matters that we do bring about a good and godly result. That's not true. That's not taught consistently in Scripture. The means are as important to the Lord as the end. So, for example, as we've spoken about abortion this morning, if you say, I have a just and godly cause, and I am going to go to abortion clinics, 
and I'm going to set off bombs at those abortion clinics to stop them from murdering unborn babies. I'm going to take my assault rifle or my AR-15 or all my pistols and everything I can come up with and I'm going to go and I'm going to kill every doctor or medical professional who is performing abortions and this is justified because the end result is that we are going to liberate these unborn babies and preserve their lives. God will not... God will not bless such actions. That is not acceptable to the Lord. You cannot use evil means to bring about godly results and expect for God to be happy about that. If that's what we do, then we have truly forgotten who God is and what God's character and nature is like, and we have departed from His will. As we go about bringing about godly results, as we go about bringing about godly ends, we must have godly means. If we do anything other than that, we are forgetting who has been faithful. We are forgetting the character and nature of our God. Well then, Pastor, how would you have us combat abortion? I would have us as Christians universally combat abortion the same way that we're told to love our enemies in Romans chapter 12. To pray for those who persecute you and in so doing lump coals upon their heads. This means without judgment supporting and helping young mothers who are scared and don't think they have enough money or enough of a support system to deliver their baby. And so they're driven to an abortion. It's not enough to just stand behind a podium and say, abortion's wrong. We can't be doing this. We can't be allowing this. And not do anything to help and not do anything to be actively involved in messy situations to support people who think that abortion is their only option to love them and walk alongside them to offer them the hope of the gospel and not to just condemn them and write them off not to look with shame on those who have gone through abortions whether willfully or whether against their will or whether they understood the ramifications regardless we must be the people who call out of mercy and grace and love that there is hope to be found in Jesus and we will always always catch more flies with honey folks that's where we've we've divorced a few things in the church we like to stand up and declare some things as unrighteous, but then we don't like to take godly and holy and Scripture-ordained means to fight back. We like to forget who our God is, and we like to fight fire with fire. And you know what happens when you fight fire with fire? You just get a really big fire. You can't fight fire with fire according to the Gospel. You overcome evil with good. You don't overcome darkness with more darkness. You overcome darkness with the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can achieve godly ends by godly means. Does that mean I'm condemning these midwives because in a moment of fear they lied to Pharaoh? By no means. I'm a sinner. That was a mistake on their part in my opinion. But I've committed many mistakes already this morning. We have to be able to give people grace. We have to be able to show people the love that we've been shown. 
And when we judge so harshly, when we're so quick to rush to judgment, we've become like Pharaoh once again. We've become like Israel during the time of the judges and the kings. And we've forgotten what God has done for us. When we forget who God is and what God has done, it leads us to failure. Let us forget not any of His benefits. Let us practice remembering who God is and how He has instructed us to combat the darkness with the power of His light. To be filled with grace and mercy, but still speak the truth boldly, filled with love and compassion. To show people the same mercy that's been shown to us. To overcome the darkness with the light of our Savior. Maybe this morning you're, you're here, you drove here, maybe you passed by. I, I recognize most of these cars, but there's some that, that, that might be sitting here today and you might be steeped in darkness. You might think that you've done things that can never be overcome. And I want to assure you, if you're watching at home right now, I want to assure you there's nothing that you can do that's too ugly for Jesus to redeem. It doesn't matter what you've been through. It matters who you are and what God is taking you to. God can redeem you from any and every situation. He can redeem all of us from our sin, from our selfishness, from our pride, from our laziness. He can redeem us whether we've committed acts of atrocity, whether we have done horrible things, or whether we are filled with evil thoughts and evil intentions, whether we've tried to accomplish godly ends by ungodly means. There is redemption and forgiveness available for everyone. There is nothing too gross for God's grace. There is no darkness that cannot be pierced by the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is absolutely imperative that we remember that. And for those that might still be steeped in that darkness, it's absolutely essential that you cry out and seek the light. You can pray a simple prayer, but you better mean it. You gotta mean it from the depths of your soul. You gotta give everything you have and everything you are to Jesus. And you only say a prayer like this if that's what your commitment is in your heart and in your mind and in your life. If you're gonna pray this prayer, you gotta be different from the moment you finish praying it onward. Repentance means that you turn from your sin. And it's about trusting in Jesus, asking that light to free you from the darkness. And believe in Him and follow Him all the days of your life. If you're here today or you're watching at home or watching as you drive down the road, which is not safe, please like pull over and, and finish watching. Wherever you may be, if you are steeped in darkness, I invite you to pray this prayer with me and call out to Jesus for His light to open your eyes. Would you bow with me? Would you pray just this brief prayer? Dear Jesus, I know I am a sinner. I know I have failed You. Please forgive me, Lord. Save me, Father. Make me new. Help me to spend the rest of my life believing 
and following the life you led, trusting in your death, your resurrection, and your life. I give my life to you, Jesus, with all my heart. Help me follow you. Amen. Folks, listen, if you're on Facebook, if you're on YouTube, and you happen to pray that prayer just now, please just comment the word Jesus. Just very simply, very short, just the word Jesus. And then we'll follow up. We'll look back through the comments. We'll find you. We'll message you on Facebook. If you want to type in Jesus and your phone number, we'll call you this afternoon and give you the next steps of what it means to follow Jesus. If you're here and you are parked in this place and and you just prayed that prayer for the very first time in your life or you prayed it for the first time that you meant it, when all the cars drive away, don't go anywhere. We'll be here cleaning up and we'll come find you. We'll talk to you. It's the most important decision you can make. Let us know how we can follow up and help you to follow Jesus in truth with all of our lives. Maybe that's not you this morning, though. Maybe you've been following Jesus for quite a long time. And maybe you hear this this morning, and you're not to the level of Pharaoh, but you're definitely at a place where you have forgotten how good God is. The tornadoes tearing through our town and our county. The COVID-19 shutting down businesses and causing economic strife and causing illnesses and causing death and separating families and causing people to have surgeries where they can't even be with their loved ones in the waiting room. All of this strife, all of this heartache, maybe it's some other heartache that has nothing to do with the pandemic. But you find yourself in a place where you forget who God is. You find yourself in a place where you forget how good He truly is, how merciful He has been. Let me call you this morning to remembrance. May we as a church be a church that constantly reminds ourselves of the goodness of God so that we never get to the place that Israel got where we forget the Passover. We forget what God has done. We forget who God is and how He loves us. This morning I encourage you to be reminded of the goodness of God. The last word of challenge that I would issue to each and every one of us comes from one more passage. It's not included in that email, but just listen along with me. If you have your own copy of Scripture at home or here in your car, go to the New Testament, 2 Peter. 2 Peter, towards the very end of the New Testament. 2 Peter chapter 1. We'll begin in verse 5 of 2 Peter chapter 1. might even be easier to start from the end of your Bible and work back. 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 5, Peter writes to the church, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith. Supplement your faith with virtue. And supplement virtue with knowledge. And supplement knowledge with self-control. And self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep us from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he or she is blind having forgotten that they were cleansed 
from their former sins. This is how we remember that God, even if nothing good ever happens in our life, God has forgiven us and cleansed us from all of our former sins. All of the ways in which we used to walk. He has cleansed us and walking in this way will remind us that we have forgiveness. Otherwise, Peter says, we end up being so nearsighted that we're blind. When he says that, it, it reminds me of an armadillo. Have you ever had an armadillo rummaging around your yard? They're so nearsighted that they're blind. They don't know what they're up to until they're touching it. That's why they're so easy to run over with your car. They have no idea a car's coming until it's already hit them. And then, boy, what a mess that is. Don't be an armadillo. Listen to the Word of the Lord. Let us listen and obey that we would supplement our faith with these things. Not ungodly means to achieve godly ends, but virtue and knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, steadfastness and godliness and brotherly affection and love. When we practice these qualities, when these qualities are increasing, we will be effective. We will be fruitful. But if we forget, it's going to lead us into failure. And we'll be nearsighted, blind armadillos feeling our way through the yard, waiting to get hit by a car when we hit the road. Will you pray with me? Father, please, God, help us, cause us, change us, Lord, from being forgetful as the generations before us recorded in Scripture were. Let us forget none of Your benefits, Father. Let us fight the darkness with the light. Let us be people who anxiously and eagerly seek after supplementing our faith with virtue and brotherly affection and love and self-control and steadfastness and godliness. Let us be people of virtue, Lord. We look at Exodus chapter 1, Father, and we see. Lord, we see ourselves in a mirror. God, please help us to be different. Help us to be better. Conform us to Your will. Transform us by the renewal of our minds to follow hard after Jesus Christ our Savior. Lord, we thank You for the story of Moses. We thank You most of all that Moses was not the definitive word. God, we thank You that there was a prophet who arose who was far greater than Moses, Lord. It was You, our Jesus, our Savior, our Messiah. You threw down Your enemy known as death. You conquered the grave. You burst forth from that tomb with life and healing in Your wings. And we all have hope of life because You have conquered death. Let us not forget, Lord. Lead us not into failure, Lord, but deliver us from evil. For Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever and ever. Amen and amen, Lord. Would You bless us, Father? Would You keep us? Would You make Your face to shine upon us? 
Would you turn your countenance towards us? Grant us your mercy, your favor, and your peace. We ask these things as humbly as we know how, Lord, in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. And all God's children said, Amen. Amen. Folks, Jason is going to lead us in the doxology to close out. But I would encourage you to one more time, step out of your vehicles, stand to your feet, and sing from the depths of your heart, and declare that we will praise God from whom all blessings flow. We will praise Him as part of all the creatures who are here below. We'll praise Him above the heavenly hosts. Praising Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Would you sing with us as Jason leads? Let's sing together. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Have a great Sunday afternoon. Don't forget to pull up YouTube and watch the Sunday School video. Clark Wilson did a wonderful job recording it for us. Thank you for being here this morning. Have a great day.